misty morning in the springtime close your eyes crystallize on the dark side let the light shine please please stay with me tonight these lips will find strawberry wine I th <laughs> that's me reading some lyrics i think i may have lost the thread there do you know the that song or you ever heard you get my reference probably not it's a song called strawberry wine um by the band my bloody valentine um boy i recall very well hearing that song for the first time when i was about 16 my friend jeff gave it to me anyway that's just <laughs> it popped into my head this morning while i was making coffee you know why it actually popped into my head because the i was the little voice in my head was going i was talking to myself about about i don't know what but i said uh, it isn't anything i just had that, that phrase ran through my head and then the two word combination isn't anything of course that's in my bloody valentine album but that song strawberry wine was on the um ecstasy and wine compilation uh from 1989 which i, I know because i just looked it up but um it was some kind of 12 inch before that but it's a great song in my i it was i just i had this friend jeff uh, he, he was born with, with a J, J-E-F-F, -F, and at some point when he was about 14, he decided to change it for social purposes to a G-E-O-F-F, -F, I guess, because he, Jeff Rowley was popular at the time, a skateboarder, among others, um, but it just seemed like a more sophisticated way to spell Jeff. But anyway, Jeff would just, sometimes, he was deep into music, and he, he had gotten deeper into internet culture, frankly, than I had at that time. Um... Yeah, uh, single mom, uh, uh, only child, just kind of in a different situation than the rest of us in a lot of ways. And I've lost, last time I saw Jeff was, was 10 years ago in, in Milwaukee. But um, anyway, he, Jeff would occasionally just lay some song on me, you know. It, uh, in many other parts of the culture, <laughs> I thought he kind of had bad taste. And well, uh, Look, I, I take that back, I'm sorry. Jeff was a huge influence on me. But he would just like, like he got into, you know, Radiohead when we were 14 and started playing me. I don't, he was just into things that were a little more arch and experimental than, than I was into. Radiohead, of course, is not deeply experimental by the, by the, uh, by the grand scheme of things. But for a 14 year old in suburban New Jersey, yeah, some of those, some of that stuff was pretty weird. But the thing is, I guess the magical thing about Jeff was that he would go through all this stuff and he had developed this taste, even by the time he was 15 or 16, that he could pick out the song that was like, wow, that's the song. Um, and the exciting thing about somebody like Jeff is that, so I can read, <laughs> well, but the, later in my life, when I'm, my later teens, I started reading a lot of music journalism. And certain things are like out there and are available. You know, if you read enough articles, you <laughs> somebody will tell you that Johnny Cash is good. And, you know, you can start going through those records. Like that's accessible to you as a newcomer to music culture. Um, and then there's 
Yeah, let's say a band like Pavement. You know, a band like Pavement, no one has ever recommended Pavement to me, I don't think, in my life. And I had never, I'd never heard of them. You know, even in my, I was a big alternative rock guy in the 90s. I mean, to, to the degree that a kid can be, just listening to the radio. I was just, I was fully just receiving radio culture. But when I hit my pitchfork years in the early 2000s, reading a lot of music journalism, um, this band pitch, suddenly everyone was talking about this band Pavement. Reading through these reviews, people, you know, <laughs> the reissues of their albums are getting maybe a 10-point overview on, on Pitchfork. So I'm just that made me sit up and take this band seriously. And frankly, this, the same was ultimately true of My Bloody Valentine. But there isn't... <laughs> there, it's, not, it's not the same as somebody... First, as a personal recommendation, for one thing. But it's not the same as, like, if you know somebody who's really so into music, the recommendations that they give you will be... <laughs> ones that you can't read about and are and are really very good or 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 the ones that you haven't read about yet you know the classic songs that are like what are the most but let me put it this way the average person okay here i have a new hypothesis which is like let's just let's just say the basically what maybe let's say pitchfork is calling a lot of attention or that kind of culture of being like let me survey the past and listen to all the great music um if you did that and you were like, I'm just going to do, I'm going to do the best of My Bloody Valentine, see why they were important, then you would get the album Loveless, um, which is so good. And it's one of my favorite albums of all time. I, so I'm just putting that out there. But you'd get this album Loveless, and it's like a very advanced, really highly developed version of this style that they've been working on. And it's just so rich and um, it's great. It's such a totally great record. But if you were just getting into, and you know, and then maybe after that you would go to the, the, the album that came before that uh, isn't anything, you know. And then maybe eventually, if you were really like, wow, this band, My Bloody Valentine, you know, t tickles me in all the right places, then you'd go to the, the compilation of their earlier Twelve Inches and stuff. But this song there, <laughs> this song is right there. It reminds me of a. Yeah, I don't know. This song, Strawberry Wine, is just so head and shoulders above everything that, <laughs> well, this is not about, I'm not trying to do rock criticism. I'm trying to be wistful and reflective, I guess. Um, really, I think my ultimate, I think my dream in a way would be to just relay recommendations like that and endless, um, I'd love to just give a, a fond account of every little thing, you know, every little special thing that I found out there. But this song Strawberry Wine is just so, um, it's driving and jangly, and it's got that, it, it sounds, it's not aggressive, it's not like so sonic youthy or like uh, out to impress you with its coolness in the way that Loveless is. It's just like, it won't brings to mind a little bit like uh, early craft work. Um, you may know that in the late 60s, before they got into electronic music, craft work was a kind of hippie. They were like a hippie band. Like imagine a band started by satyrs, you know, with the furry legs and the hoofs. Uh, there were pan pi pipes. There were, there were pipes, as I recall. It was a, it was a real, 
It was a real hippie Seder band. Anyway, um, so these bands change. But this song, Strawberry Wine. Crystal Eyes. Um, and it's like a little... It's like when I heard that song when I was 15 or 16 or whatever. It was like just like a little porthole opened. It was just like a little... And it's so simple. It's so simple. And it's just, it's just so much about the texture. I think this is something people don't understand about hip hop music when I hear when I hear a comment from an older person about the simple, the simplistic nature of hip hop, um, well, I, I always argue back. I choose my argument depending on the scenario and the person. But, um, but um, I think a big part of it is that there's a lot of music happening in those, in that uh, smaller scale of the individual note. You know, there is a, from one piano song to the next. Yes, there different pianos give you different tones, but but the palette is kind of there. Um, and in hip hop, and to some degree, the palette is even there in, in rock and roll. You can you can play with uh, very you know you can push the variables in a lot of different directions, but a guitar has a recognizably guitar like sound. I guess an eight hundred eight has a recognizably the uh, the 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 bass the, the sine wave bass drum eight hundred eight. I guess that has a recognizable sound but um but the hip-hop beats the the way that the the way that they're shaped there's some there's some uh, reminiscence to a a physical drum a physical drum set a kick drum and a snare but but it's really fully it's full imagination um beyond you know beyond some references to the physical world you know hip-hop is fully it is the, the 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 real the real content of the song. It may be in just the sheen of it. It may be a very familiar shape in a lot of ways, but it may have a different kind of. Remember this um, Wale song from a few years back? There was a Wale song, which I don't think I noticed this until maybe the fiftieth time listening. To, you know, there was a bed squeaking in the background, and. I, you would hear it, it would come to mind occasionally during the chorus of the song. The song goes, da, da, da. Uh, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I could, if I sat here and I, and I figured out the notes, I could actually sing it, I probably. Um, but there's a bed squeaking. But the thing that I realized eventually, one day driving, I remember I was driving through Chinatown in, in Philly, and I realized, oh shit, the squeak goes through the entire song. The squeak begins at, the, at bar one, Squeak, 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 squeak. It's supposed to be a bed squeaking from uh, sexual activity. <laughs> uh, but the bed squeaks unceasingly for until the last bar of the song. Squeak, 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 squeak. And I think that maybe the volume may go up a, a tiny bit here and there, but through the verse and through the chorus. And it's like, it's just like itching a little, it's almost like an ASMR thing. Um, it's itching a little part of your brain that hasn't been itched before, <laughs> you know? It's like this little squeak sound. It's like someone realized like this, 
opportunity was there. The squeak sound had not been used in a, in, in a hip-hop song prominently. And they were just like, let's, from bar one to, <laughs> uh, from bar one, beat one to, you know, bar negative one, <laughs> beat negative one. Anyway. And then you, and then you, lo- and then you love that. I don't know. And then you, or maybe you don't love it, but it, the people who are attracted to a song like that just get to hang out with it for a while on the radio. Get into that, you know, get a, get used to it. And live with it. And so you kind of become an accumulation of all these little trinkets, all these songs and movies and plays and special things. You know, um, it becomes a, this is not news to you, it becomes all tied up in your identity and affects the way you talk, probably. You know, I wonder, I've always had this little, you can probably hear my cat in the background now, um, there's this given in languages, in the way that languages change, you know, when linguistic study of the change of a language there's this given that that language does change and that it changes in pretty identifiable ways that there's little shifts that there's drifts over time uh, that certain vowels can move to a different place um, that the language can become you know, more nasal or more um, what have you the ease can go from <laughs> eh to i, that sort of thing. Um, the pronunciation of individual words, of course, can vary, can vary regionally. And I, you know, I, I have not read the depth. <laughs> I've not read that much linguistic stuff. But I wonder. Basically, the the mechanism has been put forward. Typically, I think that it's just there's a drift, which I buy. You know, you have different groups of people relatively isolated over time. You're going to have drift and just spontaneous kind of dimples in the language from here, from, you know, from place to place. But I, I wonder the influence of culture, uh, specifically of slant rhymes. And now I'm saying something which I, I if I were to just search for this in Google Scholar, I could find a, a completely overwhelming <laughs> pile of speculation on this. But what if the, you know, someone writes a ballad uh, a, a Lil Wayne-esque balladeer who bends a lot of words. I wonder if fans of that ballad, now I'm talking in the vague past, uh, Middle Ages, or, you know, I'm thinking of uh, uh, the Song of Roland. <laughs> um, what if those slant rhymes just got into the language? You know, what if fans of Roland, <laughs> of the Song of Roland um, started pronouncing a word just for fun in a particular way because it appeared in one single line two-thirds of the way through that poem. Um, because I sort of... Now I'm... I, this would be good. Is I, I should have an example. I wish I could pull an example from my own life. Um, well, here's a small example. I guess I've, I've started saying raccoon... I've kind of, this is an affectation that's sort of stuck. I have a lot of unusual pronunciations, which I, I you know, I mercifully keep to myself. 
or share only with my, my wife and she takes the brunt of it. Mispronunciations are fun, I think. And so I've started saying raccoon. And uh, that one has just uh, gotten lodged. That one, raccoon, you say relatively uh, not that frequently. So it's, it doesn't make a big difference in my everyday speech. But I wonder if a slant rhyme in a song could could change a vowel, could change the pronunciation of a word. It's hard to look for these things digitally, of course, is that the idea of uh, doing a full text search across a bunch of different songs and poems is pretty easy. Looking for uh, empirical evidence on pronunciation is, or at least measuring that with a, with a computer is really tough. So this is not an easy thing to, to look at. I'm sure that it's been addressed in the academic literature, so I'll just put a, uh, maybe I'll look that up myself later, we'll see. But those books, movies, all that stuff, music, it, it the way that it becomes part of your personality is sometimes unsettling to me, I think. Um, because it's like I should be something, I don't know. Maybe that I should be okay without it, I don't know, that I should be something more. Or no, here's a attempt to wrap, to explain this. It's like if I was born in a different place. I think I've alluded to this in the past on this show. If I was born in a different place or in a different time, I would have a completely different culture and I would still be some kind of, you know, I would still be a valuable human being. Basically, maybe I'm just uneasy with my taste of thinking that I've, thinking that I, it's important that I found all these little special gems, all these special little rubies of music that I've put together into my, uh, into my physical and mental catalog. But then what, you know, I feel my life is enriched by, maybe to the detriment of others, maybe that's, maybe it's a selfish pursuit, but having that loveless song, uh, oh, sorry, having that, uh, having that My Bloody Valentine song, having that strawberry wine song in my life is, is, very dear to me. <laughs> now I'm getting into, I like, yeah, I have these feelings of dearness, I guess. It's like, I'm, I'm talking like a Village Green Preservation Society, you know, uh, that, 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 that song by the Kinks is a, um, we are the Village Green Preservation Society, uh, Oh boy, I can't pull the lyrics, but it's a list of all of a lot of little cool, fun little things. Basically, like a list of special things for a child. Um, or oh, 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 even better example: the television personality song. Uh, my favorite films. Just a little compilation of well, the names of actors, actually. Um, Malcolm McDowell is my idol. Uh, Albert Finney and Tom Courtney, Wendy Craig and uh, Car uh, Carol White, dun, 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 and Rita Tottingham. These are my favorite films, films I can watch time and time again. This is my ideal world. This is my ideal world. 
<laughs> you guys know that song, Television Personalities? Uh, that that one reminds me of my old buddy Greg Lehner, who really who appreciated television personalities. I, I don't know why. Maybe he, he gave that song to me or we bonded over that song. I'm not sure. So there's that too. It's the musical recollections are, a, it's a, it's a social log. It's a way to remember stuff. It's a link to your past. So sure. Music is an aid to memory. But then still, though, so what? I mean, I guess that this accumulation, maybe the thing that feels so weird to me is that this accumulation is, it's just like a bird's nest of preferences. It's just like, maybe the thing that is, I'm trying to put my finger on something uncanny. Um, and doing so in, a, in, in real time <laughs> uh, without a whole lot of forethought, so. Bear with me, I, I guess. Um, but it 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 feels like that's the that's something close to the essential human function. It's something close to the, like that a collection of musical tastes is like so close to what it is to even be human. It's like I have a collection of likes and dislikes various kinds of preferences. You know, I don't eat snakes. I eat only a small number of animals and then various foods. And I'm very careful about that. You know, these are like the things that keep us <laughs> alive, keep us connected to the kinds of people that we can, that we can communicate with and get along with and trust and work with. You know, we have, there's some kind of, the music becomes a, a way to uh, to generate relationships with people quickly because it indicates it's a shorthand for a lot of other similarities in your upbringing if you can find the right song you know, if I meet somebody if I meet somebody on the street and well here's an here's an unsuccessful example from yesterday uh, my mailman came by this guy Colin and we, he's a nice guy we chat with him uh, and my wife and I were sitting out front with our baby home um, hunkered down for the coronavirus and Colin came by and gave us a piece of mail and he had his phone in his pocket and listening to music and he wanted to chat and I noticed the music he was listening to was um, uh, Altia and Donna the song Uptown Top Ranking Uptown Top Ranking oh <clears throat> oh, I completely missed that cue. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uptown top ranking. Ooh, I, <laughs> my uh, vocal apparatus can not quite even reach that. But that's a, actually that's another example. That's like the squeaking song. That song, um, Uptown top ranking. There's a little the, the beguiling thing. Truly, the beguiling thing about this Altia and Donna song is this little cue. Um, one of them go, goes, ooh, ooh. It's a it's a little higher pitch than that. Ooh, gosh! I mean, it's not it doesn't even sound sexual, but, uh, but it's it's repeated throughout this song at a, a semi regular intervals. It's they they do it regularly at the beginning and create this expectation, and then the whole song about me becomes anticipating when is the little coup 
going to come, <laughs> you know, playing it in the kitchen, doing dishes with my wife around, you know, if, if I can say that, if I can do that coup, if I can anticipate it correctly and coup along with that little part, it's just the most satisfying thing in the world. Um, but that's a song that that little coup, the song is great other than that, but it's like that little thing is what marks it. It makes it stand apart. Makes it has, it has this little te- different, it's a different textural feel than anything else. It does something playful. So that song is in my nest, uptown top ranking. That's a little twig in my music nest. My uh, my list of special things. My box of special things. <laughs> I have my box of special things. I've got. Uh, a piece of quartz and uh, some stones from a state park. And then I have a crab claw that I found at the beach and it's starting to smell. <laughs> Example, examples of special things. But yeah, this seems, uh, I don't know. Maybe the insidious thing about it is, is that search for affinity you know, wanting to, whether it's through music or dress or the way you speak, just wanting to show other people that, or, or let's say not being drawn to people who are extremely different than you, <laughs> you know, um, not to say that everyone is exactly the same way in that regard, but, but, um, you know, maybe my bloody Valentine has been perpetuating white privilege by by letting dorky suburban white kids find each other everywhere across the, you know what i mean um maybe this is not a benign maybe this i would like to think of all this dumb culture as a positive cultural force i like to think of the way it brings people together but what if it brings people together in a in a sinister way you know mst3k mst3k is a, maybe it's a way for over you know, overpaid, uh, like program, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. Overpaid white collar defenders of the status quo to find each other, you know, maybe the amusement, maybe the amusement is dampening our revolutionary political zeal. How about that? <laughs> I'm not going to go there either. Obviously, obviously. Yes, maybe we should make a maybe we should make a uh, an art that looks to the future in a positive and constructive way that depicts a, that puts forward a <laughs> wholesome and pure vision of the of the American experience. Maybe we can be more family friendly. No, I think often of the at the beginning. Toward the beginning of the movie, Reds, one of these revolutionary characters, it becomes a playwright. And there's a scene of a performance of uh, a revolutionary playwright, you know, an anti-decadent, um, pro-proletariat playwright, putting on these didactic plays, which are apparently, uh, which are apparently not good. Within the world of the movie, these plays are not enjoyed. And so, and so I can't embrace pure didacticism either. Although I, d- <laughs> I had this passing idea though of a, of a long didactic poem. 
not didactic, but a memory aid. You know, a compilation of important trivial knowledge. Like, um, like an example would be how to convert Celsius to Fahrenheit. Mm, yes, sure. Useful algorithms and general knowledge, the capitals of various cities. Basically, this is my vision, which, which will never, never be realized. So, so here, here it all is. Uh, rhyming Almanac, Steve McLaughlin's Rhyming Almanac, and, and uh, <laughs> using a variety of poetic forms, some short, some long, mostly short. It would be, uh, it would be uh, you know, how many, <laughs> how many pints are in a gallon, that sort of thing. Mm, what's the capital of Djibouti? Djibouti, that kind of thing. And then the Celsius to Fahrenheit. And uh, yeah, maybe it'll just be a chapbook. Steve's lineated guide to weights and measures, maybe. <laughs> no, none of these ideas will ever happen. I also have an idea for a, an album called, uh, really, the, I think the title for an album, the perfect title for an album is Songs of Pain. But of course, Daniel Johnston has already taken that. That's one where I have a special thing that sometimes you have special things that no one else appreciates. I think the Daniel Johnston song Stoner, of course, lots of people appreciate this song, but it's not, you're not going to find a whole essay on Pitchfork about the Daniel Johnston song Stoner, but I think it's just so beautiful. You want it to be, <laughs> I probably have the words slightly off. You want it to be somebody but you ain't nobody you ain't got nobody you're just a head a pot head god damn it i missed the last note that's a special thing that's a special song to me that i maybe doesn't get enough love So that feels like maybe the essential human thing. You know, beavers build dams. Humans build bird houses made of... <laughs> humans build bird nests made out of 12-inch uh, rarities. A nest made out of tunes. Okay. Well, let me jump back. My idea, My My idea for an album is called... I think that the, the best title would be Songs of Pain, but Daniel Johnston has taken that. So so um, maybe it's like Songs of Suffering and Loss, just something along those lines. I have a, I, I have a bunch of songs that I've been using as songs for my kid, children's songs, um, which are really folk songs and a few kid songs, but I like the pathos. Um, you know, I like something that's a little... I like something that I can enjoy singing. So there's a, I have, I've picked up a few. We, we listened to some Americana records and we listened to some British. I got a, I got a handful of them from um, British folk recordings from the seventies, like field recordings of, of individuals. And so there was a, there's a song that goes, uh, Oh, I've ate tonight. I've ate, what have I height? I height the toe of the mallard toe and toe, toe nippins and all it all went in. It all goes into the Pelagio. Most beautiful leg of the mallard. 
So these are, yeah, songs that people would have sung. They, they're songs that uh, persisted for some reason. They had some kind of special thing about them. Made them get passed on, who are amusing or whatever. There's a song, there's a song, um, another song about it, about food, about a heron, herring. What will we do with the heron's head? Make them in loaves and sell them for bread. Heron's head, loaves of bread, and all such things as that. Of all the fish that live in the sea, the heron is the fish for me. Rifle O'Latity, rifle O'Latity, rifle O'Latity, hey. These sorts of things. Which I consider those songs of pain because they're, because they're about hunger. They're about living in conditions of scarcity. Really eating every single piece of the mallard and being so excited about it. You write this song, basing your economy on the, the herring. Actually, the herring song is kind of a, a song of plenty, how great this fish is. Um, but there's another song, about, about which is about preference, actually, which is about this kind of human listing of what you do and what you don't do, what you like and what you don't like, uh, which is about which is about food, too. This is another folk song. Um, how can I summarize this? It goes like this. Where have you been to, Henry, my son? Where have you been to, my pretty one? The woods, dear mother, the woods, dear mother. Now make my bed, I've a pain in my head, and I want to lie down and die. And it goes through, it's a repetitive song. And the mother says, what? did you do there henry my son what did you do there my pretty one et dear mother et dear mother so make my bed i've a pain in my head and i want to lie down and die and the song goes through and she says what did you eat my dear and he says eels dear mother and then henry says uh, the mother says what color were them eels Henry, my son, and Henry says, green and yellow, green and yellow, now make my bed, I've a pain in my head, and I want to lie down and die, and then the mother says, uh, them eels was snakes, my dear, um, and then at the end of the song, she makes his bed, and Henry lays down and dies, you know, I could have probably just sung the whole song and avoided this awkwardness. Um, but that is a real song of, of suffering. That's a real song of pain and anguish, um, being turned into something didactic. It's a long way of telling kids not to eat green eels, which could be poisonous snakes. And that's, now that is a song that I think on every, checks every box. I think no one can object. No one can say that that song is decadent. But not every, not every didactic song is good, and vice versa. Anyway, but it does, I think that it's like, it is that I like this, I don't like this. It's so close to the root of what it is to be human. You know, that, that when it's about don't eat snakes, that's a, that's a really, <laughs> that's a really obvious one. 
it's a really clear, if you don't do that, you know, if you aren't capable of saying, I like this, I don't like this, uh, and avoiding eating snakes, if you don't do that, then you're going to be not a human much longer, like, like poor Henry in that song. And so that, that kind of, that kind of puts an end to the question. But in the meantime, that saying, I like this, I don't like this. And making those judgments subjectively. I guess that is, that is what it, that's just what it is. I guess we're just stuck. Yeah. I guess we're just stuck. And you know what? I, I think that observation is incomplete. Because the essentially human thing is not just having those preferences, assembling those preferences and, and sitting on them like a bird nest. It's, it's telling people about them. You know, it's being like Jeff, just feeling like his mind was melted by the song and, and then playing it for someone who he knows will appreciate it. It's like maybe the essentially human thing about, about me or about all of us is maybe that it would occur to someone to write a song warning children not to eat snakes or under different conditions if the world is not quite so harsh you know making making something like that i don't I just don't know i can't quite square the not eating snakes impetus for art <laughs> um with what my bloody valentine do for instance because strawberry wine is a decadent song it by design everything about it the topic the production the way it's just the whole thing it's it's a uh, it's music for a world without scarcity and so maybe that's the insidious thing i just don't know i still love it boy and you know, strawberry wine, <laughs> after supply chains dry up for a lot of different types of things, you can draw, um, you can grow strawberries in acidic soil, a lot of different conditions, and there's a high sugar content. So strawberry wine may be, may be more appealing in the future. Maybe it's a post-apocalyptic song. Maybe it's a song about partying. <laughs> partying on strawberry wine at the edge of the world. Maybe it's a strong song about very precious strawberry wine. You know, the only strawberry wine you'll have all year. Crystal eyes. Okay. I think it's time to start the day for real. I'm going to go downstairs and see what's going on with Kit. Boy. <laughs> Everybody's... The world is in a heavy state right now. It's feeling heavy. So, let's just feel that together. Okay. Thanks for tuning in. Um, today is March the 14th, 2020. I was supposed to be at a wedding in Florida today, but canceled the trip. All right, thanks for listening. I'm Steve. Later.